It's time for Dodger baseball. The sports department at WFUV and the history behind it are a story largely untold. That is, until now. The voices that have shaped the student-run station for the last seven decades dive into their time at Rose Hill. This is the Off the Air Podcast, the legacy of WFUV Sports. Welcome to Off the Air. I'm Kelly Bright here with Chris Baccia. And Chris, super excited to have Jovi alone today. Obviously, he has a little bit of a different angle than some of the other WFUV alum being on the production side of things, behind the scene and visual side of the sports media industry, not as much as the on the air and radio side. So definitely excited to hear, you know, what he has to say. And a guy who graduated with some tremendous WFUV alumni, and we've been lucky enough to hear from some of those uh, fellow alumni from his generation of, of WFUV. But of course, uh, the tradition of FUV sports was very much alive then as it is now. Um, and we owe so much of what we're able to do now to somebody like Joe, who's in the world of production. And as you mentioned, we've heard from so many broadcasters and people who are on the air. Joe, a little bit more behind the scenes, a long career with the New York Yankees, which, which I'm sure uh, primed him uh, with a lot of knowledge about a really uh, fascinating organization. So excited to get into that with Joe. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, his company, Media Squared, they've had so much success. They're award-winning over 25 years of, like you mentioned, working with the Yankees, the Nets. They work with a few other, you know, CBS Sports. So, you know, he's done it all. He's seen it all. And he's gotten to work with some really cool people. So looking forward to this conversation. This week on Off the Air, Joe Villalone. A Fordham and WFUV graduate, Villalone's time beyond Rose Hill features leading communications efforts for the New York Yankees. His first major independent initiative in sports came with the launch of ACS Sports. He developed the company that grew into an 80-person operation with offices in New York, Baltimore, and stadiums across the country. By 1999, ACS Sports held internet rights to 21 NFL, MLB, and NHL teams and portal websites for the WTA, LPGA, and Minor League Baseball. Joe is the founder of Media Squared Inc., an award-winning broadcast television production company he launched in 2001. Over the last two decades, the company has grown into one of New York's leading providers of packaged television shows. Media Squared has produced hundreds of half-hour TV shows for the Yankees, Brooklyn Nets, and other clients. Here's the Off the Air podcast with Joe Villalone. Joe, welcome to Off the Air. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on with us today. First off, how are you? How are you doing? How has things been since, you know, the pandemic kind of shifted the whole sports industry? It did. You know, we uh, we had just gotten back from spring training uh, and we're preparing to go into uh, the season. And of course, that stopped. 
then basketball was paused. Uh, those are two of our biggest clients. We do a weekly show for the Yankees, uh, Yankees Magazine on the Yes Network, and we do uh, a monthly show for the Brooklyn Nets, and that's uh, Nets Magazine. That's also on the Yes Network. So um, we joke, anytime the Yankees stop playing, we, uh, we roll out Babe Ruth. So that's kind of what we did, mm -hmm. and it lasted just long enough for us to run out of decades to go and reminisce about. Um, we went from the 20s all the way through the, the current decade and then uh, did another episode, I remember, on the core. And uh, then we, they made the announcement that they came back uh, this August. So that, that kind of, by the skin of our teeth, we made it and we, uh, we went through. So it was, it was exciting times, challenging times uh, for everyone, health-wise and, and uh, for work. You know, we're just very lucky that we're able to just keep continuing and, and that's kind of a constant theme with sports. Before we uh, get into your time at FUV and Fordham, um, I'd love to get a little bit better of an idea of what you guys do um, for the listeners. Of course, you're involved in production, big client of yours, the Yankees, the Nets and, and others, of course. Um, this, this world of production, I, I, I think of sports it, it, there's some similarity in, with film and and there's so so much romance to sports and and being able to go into um but like you mentioned the story of the core four of the yankees and stuff like this how how exciting is it being in in work like this getting to tell stories about sports figures um and, and do that work so that is you know i grew up in in north jersey the, probably the biggest yankee fan Ever, right and that's why I went into this business I majored in journalism at Fordham uh, even back when I was in grammar school I'd be writing uh, fake articles uh, doing lineups on a typewriter all kinds of crazy things but but I kind of knew this is what I wanted to do if I could do sports it'd be a dream um, so you know Fordham really and we can go into that later really prepared me for that in in a number of very crucial ways. Um, but in terms of the storytelling, I started uh, with the Yankees. And my first job with the Yankees, one of the jobs was to produce their in-house TV show uh, through the department that I was in. Um, and that was Yankees Magazine had just started. Mel Allen was the host. Uh, and I learned more under him. You know, this is a Hall of Fame announcer, as famous as he as it gets. Um, he was on the back end when he was working with us, but he was still doing This Week in Baseball and, and things like that. And he basically gave me a master's degree in writing for television and writing scripts, you know, where the period goes in a sentence, how you punch that period and, and, and all these things still ring in my head. Um, and if you're talking about storytelling, that's where it starts. It starts with the writing. You, you have to write a good, tight, compelling, story then you build from that you build your story from that you build your edits from that uh and tv usually our segments are no longer than two to three minutes so you have to tell a complete interesting story in three minutes and that's the challenge and we do it you know the yankees magazine is every week so the guys who work for me tell those stories over and over and over again uh you know and over the years have become quite good at it and as a lifelong fan of the game, as you said, a lifelong Yankees fan, you know, you get to work with some of these, some of these legends, you know, Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter. I know you did work with 
how do you balance, you know, professionalism and keeping, you know, your work at the, as a top priority when you are such a fan? How do you balance, you know, that lifelong fandom with your professionalism? And has your kind of view of some of these players changed as you've gotten to go behind the curtain and, and see below, see behind the veil and kind of see them, you know, behind the scenes? Has your perspective changed at all? Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you're a fan, like, I don't know if, if you're young now and you're looking and you're, you're looking at Aaron Boone and he's the Yankee manager and, you know, larger than life. And for me, those guys were the Billy Martins and the George Steinbrenners when I was growing up. Those are the larger than life guys. And I could tell you a quick story. I'll try to make this quick. Um, my second day ever with the Yankees, I was actually at Fordham. I was at FUV, but I got an internship with the Yankees and it was in the media relations department. Um, this was 85. I graduated in 86 and uh, went to work for the Yankees in 86. But in 85, I was an intern, lowly, nothing guy in the media relations department going and making copies and getting coffee. But they said, okay, Joe, go downstairs to the clubhouse and get the lineups. And you got to write it on the chalkboard at the time. Nothing, there were no computers, no nothing. So I'm dating myself. Anyway, you go and uh, write it on the chalkboard, get the lineups and do that you know, for the press box. Okay. So I ran down there and I went to Billy Martin and, you know, I'm walking in the clubhouse and it's the Yankee clubhouse. There's some nerves and the pressure to get your job done is, is in a quick, a short answer, uh, how you do that, how you balance that is you have a job to do. And if you can't do it, someone else will. To me, that was, that was how I got through everything. But I go into Billy Martin, into the manager's office and he's sitting there, uh, you know, at his desk. He goes, what, what's going on? And I'm saying, well, uh, Billy, I need the um, lineups for today. Uh, I got to go up to the press box. Oh, you do? Listen, and they were playing the Detroit Tigers. It was Sparky Anderson was the manager. Did Sparky give you his lineup? No, I came here first. Well, why don't you go get Sparky's lineup first, and then I'll give you my lineup. Okay. So I ran out, ran down the hall. Where's Sparky? Sparky's... So 1985, him and his coaches uh, were sitting at a card table. Uh, it, it's a clubhouse, right? So they were nude, just naked, just sitting there playing cards with a big cigar in his mouth. And I'm like, okay, uh, Mr. Anderson, I need it. I need the lineup if possible. Did Billy give you his lineup? <laughs> he didn't. He told me to come here and get it from you. He stands up with the cigar in his mouth, just walks across the into his office here. Here's the lineup. Go ahead and show it to Billy. That's it. I take the lineup. I go to, uh, all right, Billy, you want to see it? No, I don't need to see it. Here's my lineup. And he goes, listen, is George giving you any trouble? Um, no, he's, sir, I, I, don't, I don't even think he knows that I exist. You know, I, I, I'm, this is my second day. He goes, if he gives you any trouble, will you come to me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I will. Give me the, the lineup and so I, I ran up. That was my first day, you know, and the, the thoughts you get, are they just screwing around with me? What's happening? You know, but, but it's Billy Martin and it's Sparky Anderson and it's, it's all these guys that you dream about and you got to put that aside and, and you, it's the stress and pressure of getting your job done is, is what gets you through. And, and the thing about WFUV that, that strikes me, I, I keep saying WFUV prepared me and trained me to do what I did in my career. 
And, and the reason is when you, when you graduate college, um, you are in a spot where you're expected to be capable, right? You're expected, you, you've been hired, do your job. And especially at the Yankees, no one's telling you how to do your job. So for instance, you're doing the TV show. Well, you know, no one will talk to me. <laughs> the players don't want to talk to me. What, what do I do? And I remember my boss at the time said, Joe, do you want to do the show or do you want to get someone else to do the show? So you have to go down and you got to make that work. And the thing that got me through is it was the second time. It was the power of the second time, right? It's the second time I was doing something. Because the first time was at FUV with people who were telling me how to do it, who were correcting me, who had the patience, right, at FUV to do what I would go on to do later in life under high stress, high pressure, and around people who had no patience. So it's much easier to do that. And the possibility to succeed is much greater if you're doing all that for the second time. And that's, that's I think, the biggest gift that WFUV gives to the students that, that are going through Fordham. I think that's a, a great story. And the power of the second time, it rings true. I mean, even for myself, I, I, w- I found myself in the Islanders locker room and I stepped on the logo in the center of the, the clubhouse and the captain of the team, Anders <laughs> Lee, sh- shouted at me first. And I had no idea. I was, I was you know, I'm 19 years old and, and I guess this is just how you, you learn. Right. Uh, and then the second time that I had the chance to do it, I won't make that mistake again. Um, at FUV, you're in the world of radio. Um, if you could take us a little um, down memory lane uh, from FUV, and, and now, of course, you're in the world of, of visual. Did you know that you would maybe break away from from doing work on audio like that and, and that you had a visual ideas for the future? Well, yeah, I went to Fordham. Uh, again, I was from North Jersey. Uh, I went to Fordham, I was running track. And that was my first exposure. So I, I lived on campus. Um, and I wanted to major in journalism. I wrote for the high school paper, et cetera. So I, I started writing for the paper uh, at Fordham and said, look, I want to do the radio too. I want to do everything just to, to, to get an idea. Um, the thought of radio over the radio and television over journalism was the fact that every time something was done, an event was done, I then had to go to work and, and, the, the thought of homework is that my whole life will be homework. I always have assignments to do after the game and I'll never be done. Um, so it's like, I'm, you know, when you're done with TV, you're done, you go home. When you're done with radio, you're done. So I gravitated over towards that. But the problem was I was not good at radio, um, speaking on the air, nerves, whatever it was, uh, as, as a freshman in college. And I remember I was taught uh, the, the training, the seniors trained the freshmen and Mike Green uh, was in charge of train, training me. And I remember the first uh, segment, you know, my, my voice, because the nerves got all very high and I was reading the sports report and he's like, stop, stop. Joe, are you nervous? <laughs> I am a little, I am a little nervous. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I could tell your voice is this and that, and the other thing, but that's not where it ended. He began to, okay, take a breath. Here's the techniques, relax slow down, do the blah, 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 over time, right? So it's the patients, they brought you along slowly as freshmen and sophomores at WFUV. And that um, 
enabled me really to stay with it. Because if it was judged on, like I also, when I was a senior, uh, the seniors were myself, Jack Curry, Bob Papa, and Paul Dottino, um, all of whom gone on to, to great careers in, in TV and radio. Um, but Bob came in a polished finished product. He was great on the air um, from day one. The rest of us had a learning curve, right? Everyone gets to it at different speeds. And, you know, if it was a matter of sink or swim as a freshman, you, you, if you fail, you're not getting another chance, you know, think of the careers that would have changed at that time. But, but that is the power of WFUV. They get it. They understand. You've never done this before. They're willing to work with you, bring you along slowly, and then expose you to all the things in media that you need to know so that you have that second time when you do it for real and you're getting paid and the stakes are high, obviously. Yeah, are there any specific maybe lessons or experiences that you had at WFUV with radio production that you've seen directly translate into TV production? You know, things that you can apply in both situations and in both industries? Well, everything, every single thing. Um, you know, when my first job, it, it's funny. I mean, the, the Yankees in 1985 were about, front office of about 70 people now there's about 270 people but you, a person who worked for the Yankees did a bunch of different things what does that mean large volume of work no time to do it and it had to be it had to hit especially the things that you were doing that were for public consumption there could be no mistakes and it had to be at a very high standard so public consumption that was WFUV I was used to doing that it was not not a problem the writing as I told you the the television portion of my job and and writing for tv writing i i one of the other jobs i did i had to do the scoreboard uh, the scorecard okay so i had to write for that very concise there were so many words you were allowed and and you know again under incredible time deadlines so i was used to telling short form stories it had to be professionally written and professionally done and professionally delivered um I had been doing it for four years by the time I got my Yankee job. And that's the reason that background was the reason that uh, I succeeded with the Yankees. And really there's the classes that I took great. That was good for background in certain instances. Uh, but without FUV, the preparation for my career would not have been there. I'd love to ask a little bit more about some of the, the guys that you graduated with. You mentioned Jack Curry, Bob Papa, Mike Breen, a pretty good guy to train under. Um, what was mm -hmm. the influence of some of those guys uh, on you after you left? Um, we, we all stay, you know, Fordham is very close-knit. So as, as you go, every time you see each other at the stadiums, uh, Bob and I were good friends, uh, even, even after graduation, um, he would come down to spring training uh, many times with one of his jobs, I think at WOR at the time when he was, he was doing uh, sports reports for them. Uh, so we would always be around each other, always tracking each other's careers, always rooting for each other and always available to help whenever we can. But, you know, in terms of the influence, yeah, I, it's, I don't think it's influence, but it's more, you see what they're doing. You could tell they had something special when when they were young. The work ethic was unbelievable. Uh, they practiced all the time. And 
they got through in terms of they were able to stick up to themselves in a very, very tough room. I mean, these guys, Jack Perry went to the Yankee locker room. You know, I was working in the Yankee locker room. There, there's no tougher room in sports than that locker room. It is, it is very difficult. There's tremendous competition for the players' times. The, time, the players don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, you have to build relationships with these guys. And Jack was great at it. Uh, and Jack, you know, broke a lot of stories. He competed at the top of the profession. You know, if, if the profession is sports writing and, and the team you're covering is the Yankees, there are very few other combinations that are as tough or probably are as rewarding and are as widely exposed as, as, as that. You know, there are a few that, that are, but, you know, that's a tough room to compete in as a young kid. And all of us coming out of Fordham had similar experiences and, and were able to do it. So I think the, the thing that not learned but experienced with these guys the same way is we were prepared to come out and compete in very tough rooms, and, and we all did. Yeah, and you mentioned working with some of these, you know, all-stars, these legends, and how tough that environment can be. When you're going through the production process of putting together one of your packages or one of the documentaries that your company's made, how do you work around building those relationships and reaching out to the teams and getting them to buy into the same creative vision that your your team has? Well, the okay so the team doesn't buy into any creative vision that i have the team being the yankees the yankees um have their own definite ways of the way they want to be portrayed and over 30 years working with them we know them by heart so their vision is our vision and and you know you don't stray too much from from what they want their brand to be um but yeah i mean knowing that it's it's bringing out, you know, the, the good parts of what's happening with their team. And, and, you know, luckily with the Yankees, especially recently, there's a lot of good things. There's great things. And, you know, the players, they're, they're good people and you want to tell their stories and their stories are compelling. You know, you've got guys like Mariano Rivera. I mean, when I first started, they were the worst team in baseball, right? In the nineties, they had the first pick in, in the draft. They got turned around uh, by Gene Michael. Stick Michael and Buck Showalter. Um, George, intentions were always phenomenal. Uh, very volatile situation, always interesting. Uh, that also was a help. And that's all of these things combined to make them a great story, especially when they started winning. And then the dynasty years, you know, I had known these guys since they were in double A and single A baseball, right? Uh, when they got drafted, Jeter, Posada, Mariano, I know them as, as kids. And in a sense, we grew up together uh, in the organization. So when they were playing, they were very familiar. And that was a big help uh, for me. When, when they got subjected to the onslaught of being a Yankee, and believe me, it is life-changing. It's, you go from zero to 100 very quickly to the point where you can't walk outside. You can't walk down the street in New York City um, without being mobbed. And, alarming ways uh and that takes a lot to understand a lot to deal with these guys handled it tremendously all of them uh and it's and it's rare right and and, and they were teammates with guys who probably uh weren't able to handle it as well 
in, in strawberry and a good one and, and guys like that. So those guys actually, when they became Yankees, helped them. Said, look, you know, this is going to happen. Don't make the mistakes. Uh, and, you know, all that combined to, to help them do that. And it, it made having the relationship with them, I guess, made it, made it easier for me uh, to do the job that I had to do uh, in basically promoting them at the time and, and getting their stories out before the public. So you've, you've had a close-up view of New York sports now for a long time, beginning in with FUV, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe FUV was in clubhouses in the 80s at that point, but you, you guys were at least covering a Mets team that, of course, was very good the, the year you graduated, world champions. The Giants were Super Bowl champions. What were some of your experience around New York sports, being around some very good teams, uh, and, then, and then further on in your career? Well, look, I mean, I, I had, had been in the Yankees clubhouse as an intern. So I had not accessed through WFUV, but through my internship. Um, I remember Bob going and doing some stuff with the Knicks. I don't, I don't remember. And these guys can tell you very quickly whether they did or not. I don't know what clubhouses, but I do remember some minimal access to the clubhouses and getting, getting a sense of what that was going to be. Right. Uh, Jack had the added caveat of doing a lot of work with uh, the ramp, the, the newspaper. Right. So, again, uh, the power of the second time he he's tried and true many hours of practice uh, by the time he graduated. All of that stuff helps. But the experience of, of, of the Giants, I happen to be a big Giants fan. Um, Lawrence Taylor at the time, uh, Bill Parcells, th those are the the big memories. And then, you know, the great expectations of during the, so I was there from 82 to 86 and every year we had great expectations as a Yankee fan. I did. And I remember talking about it on one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. They're going to, you know, go all the way. This is their year. It was never the year. They never went all the way. Um, and, you know, that it, it became funny after a while, but uh, then, you know, if you're a Yankee fan and then your roommates are Met fans, so those battles were going on back and forth uh, through the campus, but, but tremendously fun. And the fact that these teams were so good made, made the work that we were doing even more interesting. A little bit further, I mean, there were different um, sports that we covered. So Fordham basketball, for right. instance, which is, which is very uh, interesting right now. I heard uh, hmm. some great names uh, being mentioned as potential basketball coach in fact one of the guys that i heard mentioned was tremendous is uh fran Priscilla. and so when did i graduate 86 i had started my own production company right around 98 uh my own television production company so in 98 i left the yankees and started uh media square and the yankees were my first client and the second client was st john's university so you talk about the different sports that prepare you. You know, I had done to that point, I was a career in baseball, but the work I did with Tom Penders back at Fordham prepared me to, and gave me the background to be able to walk in and professionally do a basketball show. Um, the things that you experience, you know, you never forget.
and, and spending four years with around the basketball program, around practice, around the coach, uh, gave you the background needed to go in to talk to Fran Fraschill and understand what he did with the recruiting there, which was an amazing story, how he, he assembled his first recruiting class at St. John's. He came out of Manhattan, um, and, and they went on to, to some success over there as well. So um, that was a big help. And then, you know, going on from there, we're doing stuff with the Big East. We were doing stuff with uh, Greg Ciano and, and, and Rutgers football when he got hired. Um, so that variety, again, you never know when it's going to help you. You never know when that FUV experience is going to help you. But I'm telling you, over the course of 30 years of my career, it has helped tremendously. And it keeps keeps helping that background. That's definitely motivating to hear as you know, we are current WFUV alum and it's a, I, current WFUV members and to hear alum, you know, still preach so many years later how how helpful it's been. It's always very positive. Um, you mentioned that you were working with the Yankees and then started your own company in the 90s, late 90s. How was that getting to be so close to New York media with how successful the Yankees were in that, you know, that five year span with the four World Series titles? How was that experience, you know, how especially looking at it not only as a fan, but as someone capturing it from behind the lens? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a front row seat and it was a front row seat to a turnaround from worst to first and dead last worst to dynasty first. So it's as bad as you can be to as good as you can possibly be, right? And, and how that happened. And because you're in the media, you can do what a regular Yankee employee can't do. I can go to stick and say, break this down for me. How exactly did you do this? And then go to Buck Showalter and say, how exactly are you bringing these guys along? What are the pitfalls? You know, uh, he, he would always say like a couple of things, these young players, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways out of this game. You can eat your way out. You can drink your way out. You can womanize your way out. Just so just make sure you play your way out, you know, and these, some of the players that came up at that time, just as talented as those guys, weren't able to get their heads around that advice. But the core, they were, and they did. And, you know, the, the sit-down interviews, you know, two or three times a year, I'd sit down with George Steinbrenner and, and really go back his whole career. What did you do? Why did you sign Catfish Hunter? Why did you do this? The press is this. Why, you know, how do you respond? These are one-hour interviews where you just sit down and dissect his whole career, his thinking, his mental aspect of, of why he does things, the way he does things. And you, le it, you learn a tremendous amount just because of the access you have as a media person. Um, personally, exciting beyond belief. Um, you know, I was on a, on a float uh, during a ticket tape parade going down Broadway life experiences that that are rare you know and and at the time you're jaded oh yeah this is there how how long till i get out of here i'll never get out of here look at the traffic three million people i'll never go that's what stupid but in the in the uh 30 years later you were on a ticker tape parade in uh on broadway so these experiences are, are just unforgettable and then you know later on you know the things that you're able to do if you get good at telling these stories. Um, one of our clients was Israel. So we, we do a show um, in Israel called Inside Israeli Basketball. 
And it's basically about the Americans who go over to Israel uh, and play pro basketball. They're living and playing in a foreign land. The only thing they know about it is basketball and they have to adapt and uh, they're adapting and loving it. And that opened my eyes to a whole subculture of, uh, of basketball and professional athletes that are out of the eye here in professional sports, but, but still playing everywhere. And that includes China, uh, all through Europe. Uh, there, there's this subculture of, of athletes who are playing professionally, making a ton of money and, and living life in these uh, European cities. And it's, it's fantastic. So this show from Israel uh, was was done to to show the Americans about you know what what it's like living there and playing there, uh, and that that's running for ten years. It's been paused now because of COVID, but you know started back in two thousand and nine. Um, so that's opened my eyes uh, to and give you a lot of perspective on on really digging down and seeing the way Americans and Israelis live and how it's different and the same. Staying on the Yankees, um, they, they have the best brand in, in all of sports. There, there's no bigger brand than the New York Yankees, an international brand, really. Um, your your close-up view, what's been your perspective on we hear about a Yankee culture? And, of course, you've worked with the organization for so long. Uh, what could you tell us about the Yankee way, the Yankee culture that has just made their brand? And, and of course, you manage their brand in so many ways. What's made it so strong? I think George, it starts and ends with George and the Steinbrenner family. That, that it goes down just from, they, they still can't have beards, right? right. And right. that came from George. And then you look at the Boston Red Sox and you realize, yeah, it's a good thing they can't have beards because <laughs> some of these guys take it to extents that I don't understand. And that's fine. It's just personal taste. That has nothing to do. Nobody cares what I think. But um, that small thing, let you know that when you come to the Yankees, good or bad, you have a good season, you have a bad season, this is, this is different. You have to conduct yourselves in a different way. And he, he always held everyone to that. And they hated him for it, they liked him for it, they rebelled against it, he didn't care. Just the way he thought was the right way to do things. And I think the Yankee culture stems from that. Um, there were a couple of quotes he's had, you know, the winning thing. He tried everything he could possibly do to win, um, even though early on or through the 80s, I should say, you know, they, there was a famous, uh, there was a quote that he used to give me all the time. We won more games than anyone else in the 80s. We didn't get the championship. And I just want to say that second place is like kissing your sister. <laughs> so he would, he would say these things that are very old school, but you understood immediately what, what he's talking about. And the guys who carried that forth for him, I think, uh, started to, when, when things started changing, were Buck Showalter and Gene Michael. They, they understood what he was trying to do. They agreed with it in terms of the culture. And they enforced it. And they hammered it home uh, with the older guys, but especially with the young guys coming in. That's when you started seeing signs in the clubhouse. That's when you started, uh, you know, I want to thank God for making me a Yankee. Um, all the championship banners uh, that was painted on the walls in the minor league complex, all of those signs 
about winning, the importance of winning, conducting yourself correctly. That was all over the minor league complex at the Himes complex down in Tampa. That's the first exposure these guys got to that. Um, that was during the nineties, even further as Brian Cashman, uh, took the, took the reins. Now, Brian has instituted a culture, uh, more of inclusion because a lot of the Spanish players that would come from the Dominican and from the Caribbean, um, had a very tough time as, you know, including Mariano, right? He couldn't speak English. He couldn't order food couldn't really eat well because he didn't know how to do it. All of these things that you're taking for granted, um, these guys struggled mightily with as 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids with no money um, and no language skills. So I think the Steinbrenners identified that. Now they have English schools in the Dominican and in the Caribbean academies that teach these people English before they come to America, the education and they hire teachers, right? The education continues once they get here, uh, their English language proficiency, they have to get up to a certain, certain level. Uh, their diets are spelled out for them. They're told where, to sh where they can shop and how they can eat. Their, their life management skills are developed as, along with their baseball uh, management skills. That is, I guess, the biggest change since like 2010 to the current from the way things were done in the 90s. So it's developed uh, with Brian and the Steinbrenners to, to be best in class, really, um, in terms of that. And, and, and getting players comfortable. Um, to, one, of, one of Buck Showalter's favorite sayings was, I, the only thing I want my players to be challenged by on any given day is the level of competition on that given day. I want everything else for them taken care of. And that is kind of what's happening now with, with uh, certainly the major leagues. I mean, they, they, the way the Yankees are set up right now with chefs in the locker room and, and their needs are, are taken care of because they have to perform at a high level, right? Um, but that has now extended down to the minor leagues where, where these guys are, are being managed and being taught to do things correctly. Speaking of the Yankees now, I'd love to get your take on their current organization. Obviously it's been over a decade now since their last World Series. And you look at their pitching rotation and some of the moves they've made this off season, kind of interesting, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of guys who hadn't, haven't pitched in what feels like two years now. How do you think they're getting closer to getting that, you know, their next ring? How do you think this Yankees team is shaping up for the upcoming season? Well, listen, they've been real close. I think they've been as close as you can possibly get uh, going to the last inning of the last two playoffs. Um, but I think today they just picked up Joe O'Day, which uh, a 38-year-old reliever. Right. So they're, the moves keep coming. They keep coming. Um, but, yeah, I think the guys that they get, it has been – the struggle has not been talent for them. Uh, tragically, and it's been health. Um, and I know they've they've taken steps to address it uh, as much as they can. The health is an unknown. It's the hardest part to solve, obviously. But um, that that I think is the focus 
behind the scenes of, of trying to just stay healthy and get these guys to, to be able to stay on the field. Um, but the new pitching moves, yeah, definitely. I think they are considered, I guess, to be short, but they have about seven or eight legit uh, members of that rotation that can go in and compete. And then their lineup can, can fix a lot of problems uh, in the pitching staff. But, but I, I like what they're doing. I really do. Uh, and I think the, the worries are not ability. The worries are, can they stay healthy? Because if they can stay healthy, they're going to, they're going to be a sight to see. It's like the Nets. They can play defense. It's going to be a sight to see. Right. And, uh, and Brian Cashman usually has something up his sleeve. So I'm, I'm sure he's not done yet. Um, one more yeah. from one more from me. Um, in, in this world that you're in, we've seen digital media emerge. We've seen just a constant shakeup. Uh, how has the landscape changed um, over your 20 plus years in this world of just in the world of media? How, how have you seen change and adjusted to it? I used to wait uh, anxiously to, to get a hand, chance, even when I was at Fordham. You know, I had no money at Fordham. I never, never had I would be delivering pizzas. I don't know if it's still there. University Pizza or Pugsley's. Yeah, are, yeah. are those things both, still there? Both. I, yeah. I used to, I used to deliver pizza for them to to get money, and uh, I remember I'd have like a dollar, and it was just enough. But, but you know, I had to buy something else, and I didn't have enough for the post and the news at the uh, mm. at the newsstand by the station. So I was deciding each day: should I buy the post or the news? But dying to consume what the writers were were saying right about my teams I, I would love it i didn't have the internet you didn't have these things so the accessibility that that uh payoff when i finally opened the paper and, and started reading uh all the stories and the game stories and the box scores um was once a day for me right uh now the payoff is 100 times a day and it, as many times as i want it and and anything i want to read i can i can read uh for you you know, for, for people of a certain generation that is not my generation, that's taken for granted, right? It doesn't matter. But right. to me, that's uh, that's like Christmas Day. So th that is a that's a big deal. That's that's a big change. Being able to consume everything digitally, um, the stories are the same. There's always the best writers and the best reporters that right. you read. It's the same now and then. You know, the go-to guys that have the information. Um, long form stories which i enjoy and i think people enjoy would enjoy if they were exposed more to it uh is less prevalent and less accessible i think the athletic uh website does a does a great job with long form it kind of brings that back but to me it was always sports illustrated um that was very enjoyable so i think the digital has changed digital. long form for the worse but i think it has changed accessibility. Total game changer. Total game changer in terms of accessibility and information. You can just in two seconds pull up anything you need to know about anyone, anywhere, right? So it's done its job there. It definitely has. All right, Joe Villone, president of Media Squared. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with us here at WFUV on Off the Air. Good luck with your future endeavors and the season and good luck to the Yankees. Hopefully you're right. Hopefully they're on the right path. 
Um, but again, thank you so much for talking to us. Okay, Kelly, thank you very much. Enjoyed it. And you guys, good luck to you guys. So that was Joe Villalone, president of Media Squared, Fordham alum and WFUV alum. Chris, obviously he had a lot of interesting stories, a lot of cool things to say. For me, you know, loved hearing as somebody who also is very interested in the visual side of sports. It was really cool to see how much crossover there is between writing, visual production and being on air and how some of those same lessons all boil down to those basic building blocks of just being able to tell a story. Right, and you had asked uh, about his experience in audio production and FUV production, which you wouldn't necessarily think is connected to visual production. And, and, and he said, everything, everything that I learned at FUV um, has influenced what I do now. So it's just really wonderful to hear somebody uh, with such praise for uh, his time at, at WFUV like Joe. And, and one thing I was struck by was his explanation of just being in the environment of professional sports, being in a locker room, a clubhouse that is so daunting, especially for a young person um, and how he, he was just exposed to it. You heard his story about Sparky Anderson um, and, and it's just sort of fascinating to hear. And he says the power of the second time, right? Being exposed to it at a young age prepares you to do it uh, as a, as a true professional after college. So FUV and, and, and his internship with the Yankees got him very close up and, and it prepared him for a long career in the business. Oh, exactly. Chris, you know, that I think that power of the second time is so important. You know, that's part of the reason we all joined WFUV, right? Is, is to be exposed to that level of professionalism and to make these connections and get those experiences. And, you know, he kind of mentioned that they had some exposure to, you know, to locker rooms and clubhouses and it's just grown immensely since then. So some of the opportunities we're able to have now, you know, we're, we're not only getting second times, but third, fourth, 15th times. And it's just really exciting as current members of WFUB to hear these success stories from, you know, past, past generations of the same program. It always is, um, and especially hearing from someone all the way back in the 80s, not that that's that far back, but we've talked to a lot of people um, from more recent years, and no matter where you go in the tree of FUV alumni, you hear uh, the same passion for FUV and, and, and the commitment that we have here to telling a good story, being professional, um, and being able to cover sports in, in the biggest city in the world. Exactly. And, you know, he's a Yankees fan. There's a lot of current Yankees fans. I thought it was really cool that he got to be a part of, you know, so many cool, you know, World Series, which as of right now, any kids that are in WFU right now haven't had that experience of covering a Yankees team that's won a World Series. But hopefully that changes this year, maybe in the next few years. But until then, until then, this has been Off the Air. I'm Kelly Bright with Chris Bauchia and our guest today was Joe Villalone, a WFUV alum. 